Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. During this season of trial and, and concern and tribulation, Jesus was fearless. And he was fearless because he was in control. He didn't hide, he advanced toward them. I love that word. It's a different phrase here in my New King James, but one of the other translations says, as they approached him, he advanced. In today's broadcast, we have a new two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, Jesus Betrayed, Tried, and Denied. Now, a lot happens in John chapter 18. Jesus is arrested, tried before Annas, then Caiaphas, then Pilate, all against the backdrop of Peter denying him three times. So, let's listen in. Jesus spent the longest night ever with his disciples right prior to the portion of scripture we're considering together today. His last night with his disciples began with a Passover dinner as he, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, was preparing to fulfill entirely and perfectly what had gone down way back in the days of Moses as the children of Israel were about to release, be released from the bondage they'd experienced under Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They were instructed, knowing God's judgment was coming, to take a lamb and to slay the lamb and to apply the blood to the doorpost and the lentils of their house. Thus, when the death angel passed through Egypt, he'd pass over each household. That deliverance points us ultimately to Jesus, our Passover, who died not just to free us from the bondage of sin and slavery of this world, but to our own selfish, sinful natures. The Lamb of God there with his disciples, he washes their feet. It's a bizarre start to a wonderful dinner. And he does it because not one of them was willing to acknowledge or admit they were the least among the disciples. That would be the job, you see, of the lowest household servant. So Jesus washes their feet. He exhorts them to do for one another what he'd done unto them, what he'd done for them. But he wasn't instituting this new uh, thing of foot washing. This is something that's meant to transcend generations and cultures and, and situations. What he's saying is, I want you to serve one another the way I've served you. The way we do that in our day is we look at the needs around us. We look at the thing no one else would want to do. And if we want to follow Jesus' command and his example, we serve one another the way he served us. He warned them that one of them would betray him. That was devastating news. And they began to ask the right question. Could this be me. Am I capable of doing such a thing? But it was Judas who was going to betray him. And Jesus knew it. Well, one will betray all, he says, will forsake. Because the scripture says the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would be scattered. 
all of them would betray. Peter had trouble with that little word. He said, all of them, but all doesn't mean me. It doesn't include me. So Peter is told by Jesus, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. They are clearly devastated by this news. One will betray, all will forsake, Peter will deny. And as Jesus looks at them and all that takes place in John 13, in John 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Well, he tells them when he returns for them, they would be with him forever. By the way, those promises made to them fulfilled by him. And they're good for us as well. Either through death and resurrection or the rapture, we will someday be with him in glory. And by we, I mean all who've given their lives to him, put their faith in him. They don't just know he is the Lord. We've made him our Lord. He's not just a savior or the savior. He's become our savior. He says they would be with him and we will be with him forever. He promised the Holy Spirit who was with them would soon be in them. And that's a reality for every one of you who are logged on or listening in. The Holy Spirit is either working on you from the outside or he's working in you from the inside, transforming, renewing, teaching, guiding, disciplining, telling you things to come. All Jesus had been for and done for them. Well, the Holy Spirit will now be doing for them and has and is doing for us. Well, he promised them answered prayer. He promised abiding in him would lead to fruit and, and that the fruit would be increased as, as he pruned them. And then there would be more fruit and then there'd be much fruit. And he said, in this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. He warned them that the love he had for them and they love they had for him would lead to the world's hatred. The world that hated him, rejected him, crucified him. He says, that world's going to hate you too. He promised the Holy Spirit's work, his joy, his peace, his, his well, wisdom would dwell within them and, and guide and direct them. Then he prayed for himself. He prayed for them and he prayed for all who would believe in him through them. We have all that in John 17. Well, we're in John 18, one then, so you have the backdrop for all of this. When Jesus had spoken these words, John 18, verse one, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received the detachment of troops and officers from the chief priest and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. 
Jesus said to them, I am he. Well, actually in in the original, it's I am. My Bible says I am he. Your Bible probably says I am he, but the he is italicized. It's a clue to us that that word was inserted, they believe, to make things clearer. I'm not sure they achieved that goal though, because if you read it, I am, you realize this is the very name God gave to Moses when Moses asked two questions. God chooses him and says, you're going to be my guy. You're going to deliver my people. And he says, who am I that I could deliver the children of Israel? God's answer to who am I is always this. I will be with you. It's like it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. And I'm promising to be with you. Then Moses says, well, who shall I say send me? How will they know? It's you, he said, tell them I am sent you. And when Jesus uses those words, I am, it says Judas who betrayed him also stood with them. And verse six says, when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked them again, whom are you seeking? He's saying, you want to go again? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go your way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you've given me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given to me? Note a few things with me in some very practical application during this season of trial and, and concern and tribulation. Jesus was fearless and he was fearless because he was in control. He didn't hide. He advanced toward them. I love that word. It's a different phrase here in my New King James, but one of the other translations says, as they approached him, he advanced. My little brother, and many of you know, Tony, he pastored in the UK for a season. And, and we told him once we were having a retreat. He says, whoa, they don't retreat over here. And we're like, what? What do they do? They, he said, they advance. I like that idea. Jesus moved into the situation. He didn't hide from it. He went where he knew Judas would find him. The, the enemy comes to arrest him and he walks right up to them. He was able to do all this. And we read it in verse four because he knew all things. Those all things, by the way, included his origin. He said earlier he came from the father and would be returning to the Father. So his origin, his destination, and he knows the cross would precede the crown. The cross was next. And he tried to warn him again and again, we're going up, I'll be handed over, I'll be crucified, but I'll rise again the third day. In the midst of that, Judas finds Jesus. He's right where Jesus always would go where Judas knew he would be. Peter, well, he slept along with the others when he should have been praying. Jesus had asked him, stay and pray. Can't you pray with me for one hour? 
But Peter slept when he should have been praying and he struck when he should have been listening. One of the other disciples said, should we strike with the sword? And as Jesus was saying, no, too late. Peter's already taken it upon himself to do what he said he would do, defend the Lord, make sure that, well, when Jesus told the guys what was going to happen, Peter said, that will never happen to you. Now he's trying to make good on that promise. But Jesus didn't choose Peter to, to defend him. He chose Peter to, to become like him and to be used by him. By the way, sleeping when he should have been praying, striking when he should have been listening, and now, well, we see he was using the wrong sword. When we get to the book of Acts some weeks ahead, we will find Peter using an altogether different sword, the sword of the Spirit, and he'll preach the gospel and people will be cut to the heart and 3,000 people after asking what must we do to be saved and hearing the good news that, that they need to give their life to the one who gave his life for them. 3,000 people give their life to the Lord, were saved from their sin and baptized that day. Well, Jesus had prophesied they desert him and yet he prayed for them. He protected them even as he was arrested. And unlike Jesus, we're navigating uncharted waters. Uncertainty, insecurity abound. We don't know. None of us know what tomorrow will bring. But we do know Jesus. And we want you to know he's in control. He knows, reveals, and controls the future. And you can chart your own course or you can give your life to him and let him direct you and guide you and chart your course. Before we press on into verse 12 and further in, I want to say next week, because I didn't mention it, next week, we're going to be sharing in communion together. And here's how this is going to work. Giving you a week's notice, you're going to gather bread and juice. Doesn't matter what kind of bread. It doesn't matter what kind of juice. I like a, a nice loaf of bread and, and know that Jesus, when he shared in communion, he, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, he distributed the bread, but they all ate from the same loaf. And we'll talk about that and you'll be able to do it at home with your family or your roommates or whoever you can gather safely with in this time of social distancing. Well, listen, that's what's going to be happening next week. So prepare for it. We'll walk you through it. You'll get to do something I've often encouraged you to do. And that's share communion at home with those who live with you. Well, verse 12, we read, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus, bound him, and they led him away to Annas first. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Note those words, arrested, bound, and led. Jesus allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed them to bind him. He allowed them to lead him. He had all power and all authority, but he was fully submitted to the father's will 
And that will for Jesus included the suffering he would endure on the cross, the shame that he would experience, the pain he'd experience as the sin of all mankind, yours and mine, would be placed on him. Well, Annas is mentioned first because he was the legitimate high priest of Israel. And he should have served unto his death, but Rome had decided to set him aside and put his son-in-law Caiaphas in his place. It was a wise move by Rome because Annas had great power and influence over the Jews. And they knew he would never do anything to hurt Caiaphas or, well, his family who Caiaphas had married into and his grandkids who Caiaphas would have been raising. He, Caiaphas, was high priest that year, but he should have never been made high priest. It should have been Annas' sons. He had five of them. Anyway, he serves for life, but not this time. The high priest would have served for life, but not this time. Now, it was Caiaphas, the, the serving, the current, the substitute high priest who advised the Jews it was expedient that one man should die for the people. This is important. Unfaithful to God, yet used by God. Caiaphas prophesied, and because he was in that role, God spoke to him and spoke through him. But listen, men like Annas, Men like Caiaphas, men like Judas, they are a warning to all of us to be sure we're in the faith, to make our calling and election sure. You could be chosen by and used by God and yet never really fully submit your life to him. And if that's you and you don't repent of sin and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will die in your sin and forever be separated from him. Well, Judas was unfaithful and he ended up taking his own life. We, we're going to see it. Peter will deny the Lord, but he will repent and be restored. So if you've been unfaithful, it's not too late. If you've denied the Lord, it's not too late. You can make things right with him this day. Well, this trial would be the first of six trials Jesus will endure. Three of those would be before the religious leaders. And then there would be three before the civil leaders. And then ultimately the seventh and greatest trial would take place on the cross where he willingly laid down his life for us, died in our place and for our sins buried and risen again. Note this, all who sat in judgment of him were actually on trial before him. And it will not be the last time they stand before him. It's possible that some who tried him ended up giving their lives to the Lord. But if not, they are forever separated from him in a real place called hell. If they did repent and give their lives to the Lord, they're with him right now awaiting us in heaven. But all who sit in judgment on Jesus or of Jesus and, and, and try him and his word, putting themselves, making themselves judges over him, they 
and everyone else will stand at one of two judgments. We will all stand before the Lord. The question is, will we stand before the Lord, our Savior, or the Lord, our judge? It's an important question, and you should really spend some time considering it. If he's your Lord and Savior, you at the time of death and resurrection or rapture, are going to be rewarded by him. You're going to be welcomed in. Welcome in to the joy of the Lord. Welcome good and faithful servant, he'll say. But if not, if you're not a believer in Jesus or you don't repent of your sin, you will die in your sin and forever be separated from him with one exception. You'll stand before him at the great white throne judgment. And men will be saying, but didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And books will be open and they'll be reading the things in the books. But there's a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name's not in it, then you would be banished forever from his presence. So, so the question is, are you in Christ Jesus? Have you given your life to Christ Jesus? And if not, will you do that today? I'll give you opportunity a little further in to do just that. Verse 15, we find ourselves with Simon Peter. We move from Jesus being before Annas and then Caiaphas to, well, he's Simon Peter follows Jesus. Verse 15, so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. John is that other disciple, an eyewitness to all these things, recording them for us so we can read them, learn from them, and be transformed by them. Well, he knows people. He goes and gets Peter access. The servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, seeing him, verse 17, you're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. I like how she asked the question in the negative. You're, you're not one of them, are you? And for the first of the three times he'll do it, he denies that he knows the Lord. He denies that he's a disciple of the Lord, a follower of the Lord. The servants and officers, verse 18, who had made a fire of coal stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. I want to say many have faltered and failed. Many have stumbled and succumbed while seeking comfort and warmth at the fires of the enemy, the enemy's fires. We need to be wise. We need to be careful. Jesus said we're in the world, but not of the world. We're called out by him, to him, and for him. And our goal can't be to blend in, but to shine forth for him. As he says, we are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we're to let our light so shine before men that they'll see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Paul will say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. 
I recall, as a brand new Christian, thinking of Jesus' arrest and subsequent crucifixion as a terrible tragedy. And I believe that many still view it that way. Now, don't get me wrong, the fact that he needed to go through that, that's the tragedy. Sin is the tragedy. His death on the cross was victory over the tragedy of sin. And despite what the Jews and the Romans and everybody else thought, it was actually by Jesus' authority that this trial and crucifixion even took place. John 10, 17 and 18 tell us, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. This whole series of events is simply God's will coming to fruition. And God's will will always be done. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.